This episode is sponsored by our friends at Fujifilm North America. Their X-Series digital cameras and lenses may just give you that creative edge you're looking for in your portraits and events. You'll find everything from 40 megapixel image quality to 40 frames per second bursts, plus unique in-camera film simulation modes and effortless usability. Click the link in the episode description to find the full range. There has never been a better time to invest in your passion, so make sure to click the link. Hey there, it's Nikki Klosser, and I want to let you know about an awesome free giveaway for people on our email list. If you haven't already, click the link in our podcast description or go to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up to get on the list. If you sign up, you'll get a free posing 101 PDF to jumpstart things. It's an epic PDF, so you'll definitely want to get this. Also, just by being in our email community, you'll get deals, sales, and information about any of our upcoming events and activities. So head over to theportraitsystem.com slash sign up and sign up today. This is the Portrait System Podcast, a show that helps portrait photographers and people hoping to become one navigate the world of photography, business, money, and so much more. We totally keep it real. We share stories about the incredible ups and the very difficult downs when running a photography business. I'm your host, Nikki Klosser, and the point of this podcast is for you to learn actionable steps that you can take to grow your own business and also to feel inspired and empowered by the stories you hear. Hi, everyone. We have a really fun episode today, and we're calling it sort of like a frequently asked questions episode because we went through and listed out all of the questions that were asked the most when it comes to having a successful and sustainable photography business. My special guest today is Emily London Miller, and I wanted to have her on with me just because she's so eloquent with her words and she built her business from the ground up, and I knew she would have some of the best responses to these commonly asked questions. Emily is a portrait photographer in Salt Lake City who photographs women, and she really focuses on helping women with self-realization through the process. So we put our heads together for you today, and I'm really excited to share this episode with you. Emily, thank you so much for being here with me today on the Portrait System Podcast. I'm so happy to be here, Nikki. Thank you for having me. I'm just smiling from ear to ear, like being able to talk to you. I love it. <laughs> you do, dude. I'm, I, I'm like feeling like we got to get into some personal conversation a little bit later, too. It's going to be, that'll be I a, know. Fun, a fun time. <laughs> I know, for sure. I, I, You know, we kind of almost like grew our business around the same time. Like we kind of went through everything you know, and like supported each other along the way. So it's, it's, I love having you just to be able to to do this question and answer session. Cause even though we did do it at the same time, it was like totally two different ways that we did. Yeah. So I feel like we're both going to have a good perspective for people. Yeah. One of the interesting things is when I was in the portfolio build stage and when I was starting out, I had my two young kids and they weren't quite as young as your kids are now. But they've gotten older, you know, as this progress, you know, this uh, business building process has unfolded and it's gotten a little easier over time versus you kind of had the start, no kids, and then added that complication, yeah. especially in a, that really tiny baby stage, you know, kind of right in the middle of your journey. Totally, totally. That's exactly right. I know it's so funny because for people out there who don't know me or what my kids are, I have two boys who are two and four. And yours are what, like 12 and 15 now? Something like that? Yeah. So yeah, my, yeah, my daughter is my younger one and my son's older. And yeah, I think they were, I mean, I started back in 2012. So yeah, it's, that's, been, it's been a while. That's exactly <laughs> when I started was 2012. And I had my babies in 2014 and 2018. And that honestly, like, 
like in the midst of having my my kids is when my business really started like blowing up. So it's, you know, people out there listening who are like, but I have these little kids like it is so possible if I could somehow do it. Trust me, anyone could do it. Yeah. yeah. And when, what's interesting is in, in my dynamic, in my marriage, like I was kind of the the caretaker for my kids at first, you know, before I started this business and in a lot of ways. And so uh, making space to be able to have my own business meant that I kind of had to elbow some room for myself and and ask for help from, you know, my, my, my kid's dad and from, you know, my community and getting support around me because that was such a big, a big, uh, shift that I had to make for sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I remember thinking that I would be able to work from home and not have to have mm. like daycare for my for my baby. And that was like, I quickly learned that that was not happening. Yeah, fortunately, I I had the uh, established well in advance, like, oh, yeah, that would never work. But yeah, you kind of got to have the surprise come at you, I think. Oh, yeah, I had to work my way through that. But it has been a wild ride. I wouldn't change it for the world, though. That's for sure. All right. So we have lots of questions to get to today. And, and, you know, let's just kind of tackle them one at a time. And then we'll go from there. And these are I know you added some questions to our list too of questions that you are frequently asked. It's Yeah, I mean, these are all like questions we get pretty frequently. So we thought we would just, you know, go for it and tackle them all. Cool. All right. So number one, let's talk about how people can transition from online galleries and shoot and burn to doing in-person sales. Because I know there are so many photographers out there who are really, it's just kind of like a package deal. Like you book a shoot and you get all the digitals or 40 digitals or 100 digitals or whatever it is for X amount. Um, I know around where I live in Michigan now, there's a lot of like for 200 bucks, for 250, for maybe 400 might be considered a lot. Like, Mm. Man, uh, I used to be like that and I used to do the whole shoot and burn thing and I was so burned out. But you mm-hmm. didn't start with shoot and burn, did you? No, not officially. I mean, I when I started portfolio building at the beginning of, you know, once I was thinking I might want to try photography and I was learning, um, I definitely delivered my images digitally in that stage, in that education kind of stage. But as soon as I was ready to create my business, I really held this belief that one of my biggest jobs in that business was to establish my value in my local area. And I knew if I started with in-person sales, then I wouldn't have to, you know, train all of the my community to expect one thing from me and then make a big shift later. Right. I figured if I'm going to have to be teaching people what to expect from me, I might as well just do it once. So I just went all in for in-person sales. Yeah, that was really smart. And and cuz you found Sue and her business model pretty early in the game, right? Pretty much right away. Yeah, I mean, honestly, Sue and her business model are what made me want to pursue photography. You know, mm-hmm. before that, I was actually a graphic designer and I had a different business. And once I found the first online course that Sue put out, and it was in, like within 1 month of her releasing that, it was a game changer for me. It was like, this exists and I'm allowed to photograph only like what I would be interested in instead of all, all kinds of babies and weddings and families <laughs> and you know, right. genres that I just wasn't drawn to. And so uh, once I saw that that was allowed, then it was like, oh, cool. Then I'm all in. And, and that was how I got started. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And actually, okay, this 
I, we're not done answering this question by any means, but I, this does lead me to to another question where people sometimes will ask, like, do I have to shoot like glamour or, you know, Sue style sort of thing in order for this business model to work or in order for, you know, any of this education to apply to me? And I'm like, no, 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 no. It can work for newborns. It can work for families. It can work for seniors, you know, all the different genres. You don't have to have a studio. It can be outside. Right. But what, what you just said is what you loved was the photographing of women and the hair and makeup and the dressing up and like all of that. Right. So I think that initially is what got people drawn into Sue's work because that's a, that was what she was showing us. And it was just so beautiful. That's why I got really you know interested. But as people learned, oh my gosh, like about her education, it applplies to so much more than just dresses and like, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, the business model itself is a it's a it's a great model for teaching you how to be financially sustainable in any kind mm-hmm. of any honestly any kind of service industry in a lot of ways could apply or could re- totally pull, pull wisdom from this business model. But yeah, the business model of this, I mean, it doesn't have to just even be photographers. It could be artists of any any you know type that are creating uh, client work that is portrait related, especially. Oh, absolutely. We've talked about that before, how it's like, Sue, all you have to really do is take the word photographer out of it. And it seriously applies to everyone. It's like such important, amazing, powerful education that can apply to to so much different stuff. So I'm glad you said that. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, okay. So so if you are someone like me, who where I was, I started out as shoot and burn, I think I started out at like $75. And you get all my all my favorite digitals and on a disc at the time. And I, would, I sh- did a lot of families and weddings and you know, all of that. And I mean, I was like, I, it was it was really, really burning me out. I mean, I was charging a couple hundred bucks. I got up to I think like 250 or something or for a family session. And I was giving like 60 to 100 digitals. I mean, it was crazy. Wow. And I would just basically send the online gallery. And that was kind of it, you know, mm. and never really like they might have posted their photos that they loved and they told me they liked the photos, but that was it. Like there was no opportunity for upselling. There was no opportunity for sustainability because by the time they paid me that $250, I mean, I was making like $2 an hour, you know, <laughs> like mm, wow. it just was not sustainable. So, and I, I'm, I'm assuming there are people out there listening who are in this situation where you're just sending an online gallery and what's done is done and that's it. And you and I both know, and a lot of people whose photography business has not lasted know that that is just not a sustainable way. And so as far as how do you transition from that shoot and burn into in-person sales, it's really not as complicated as you as people think. Like, I remember being really afraid of it. I don't know if you were, were you ever afraid of doing in-person sales? Like, did it seem like daunting to you at all? You know, what's interesting is even when I was first started and I was offering, you know, the collection digitally, I still was um, delivering or having like an appointment in person with my models where they were getting to see their images in person before I would do the digital delivery. So I actually trained myself to be in person um, for their reveal right from the beginning. But the, the part that I found daunting was when I had to start charging 
like real rates, like basically that $1,200 price range, that number, when it, when we start talking about over that $1,000 line to me, that was when I hit a lot of fear and resistance and just thinking like, this is not going to work in my area. Utah is a notoriously frugal Mm, area. mm -hmm. And I just Mm -hmm. thought, you know what? I can't imagine that there's anybody here who would pay these prices, but I did the math and this was that, you know, $1,200 threshold was about minimum wage. If I was putting the amount of time that I wanted per client. And so once I kind of made that connection, it's like, if I'm working 20 hours on a client's image, you know, from start to finish spending 20 hours with a client, which, which is what I was wanting to do. I wanted to have this really beautiful full service. And then I had my smallest package was $1,200. And then I broke down and did the math. It was like $15 an hour after my product cost for all of the time I was putting in. And then you have to remember too, like you're marketing and you're, you're setting up your business and educating yourself for the other 20 hours a week, you know, and then you're working only half of the hours that you're working. You can even consider billable hours. So when you, when you do that and subtract, you know, divide that $15 an hour in half, it's seven fifty an hour, which is minimum wage in Utah. So once I made that realization, it was like, okay, well, I mean, I have to charge these prices. So whether the industry will support it or not, you know, I guess we'll see if I can even have this job. <laughs> like that's kind of how I went for it, you know. Right. Yeah. I think breaking it down like that is really crucial. Um, when you look at all of the hours that you put in, starting from the back and forth, whether it's through email or phone call, you know, your editing time, your shooting time, that, you know, there's just so much. And if you're going on location, the travel back and forth, I mean, there really is a lot of time going into it. And in the end, like you said, it really can be, I remember being so scared when I, when I was raising my prices to a thousand dollars, I was just like, oh my gosh, like I was sweating, like Mm -hmm. the first time I actually showed someone my new pricing. But when it comes to like, actually doing the in-person selling. And and when I say in-person, I know you know this, that I mean, it can be in-person online. So, you know, before Zoom was everyone in, in there, you know, the whole world was using Zoom. I was doing it on Skype, right. some of my viewings. So I would show them a slideshow. We would go through, through Animoto that I would make. And then we would go through the photos one at a time. I would bring them up in Lightroom and they would do their mm-hmm. selections. And I would mark them green, yellow, or red, you know, for yes, maybe, or no. Anyways, you know, it doesn't have to necessarily be in person physically, but the point is just to not just send them a gallery and just wait to hear back from them. It's it's having that interaction with them. And so Well, and and it's more of the service. You're completing the service with that client right. in that in that appointment for sure. Right. Absolutely. And it, and you know, it's one of those things where in my head it was just one more step that I had to add mm-hmm. into everything and I just I, the thought of having those higher prices and having to like look someone in the eye (laughs) at the time before I truly, truly valued my time and what I did and my craft and all of that. It was really scary. But once I did it the first time and she bought everything and spent $1,800, I was like, oh my God, this works. Like it changed everything for, for me. It's like, it's like, I think we have the fear of you know, when you've never done something before, it can be so scary. But then once you do it once and you realize like, oh my gosh, I can totally do this. It's just scary when you have never done it before. And it's such a simple process. It really, truly is. It's It just doesn't need to be daunting and complicated 
like how I was making it in my head. Yeah. And a lot of it is honestly mindset or related, you know, when you, when you are immersed in kind of a, like at the time when I first started my business, I was kind of coming from this student culture. My, my former husband and I, like he had just come out of college and we were living, you know, in this very frugal way. And so all of the people that we interacted with were kind of really frugal, doing everything on the cheap that we could. And since I was in that world, the thought of somebody, you know, splurging on a $3,000 mm-hmm. photo shoot just seemed like unimaginable to me. And so, you know, yeah. I had to, I kind of had to, first of all, meet a couple of people who were in kind of a different headspace than I was and to kind of realize like, oh, this, this, <laughs> there are people like this that are in this, you know, that have enough money that they can just either spend you know, money or save up their money for a photo shoot and that it's not going to destroy anybody financially, which was like kind of a fear. Like I almost thought like, oh, who am I to withhold this beautiful thing from people who can't afford it? And then I had this realization, like I'm not withholding food from their table. Like I'm withholding this luxurious splurging kind of experience. But I mean, if if I charge any less than this, who am I withholding food from? It's like my own family. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> right, like I'm right. taking my, my kid's mom away from them so that I could give somebody an, a luxurious experience. Like, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. And, and I think people, this is actually one of the questions that I, that I wanted to get to is that people want to know, can I do this in my town or in my country? Yeah. You know, can I charge that much? Like, there's no way in my small town. And well, everyone's so sure. You know, that's that's the one thing. You know, that we've been traveling mm-hmm. the world, talking to di- different photographers all over the place, and everyone says that same thing. And I said the same thing, right? Oh yeah, yeah. And everyone's like, but not in my city. Right. Oh, my city's too saturated. And I'm like, do you know how many photographers are in Seattle, Washington? Right. Do you know how many photographers are in Plymouth, Michigan, within a stone's throw of my studio? And somehow I'm managing to do it. And that's the thing. It's like. It, so much of it is mindset and so much of it is being the photographer that people want to book. Like you've got to step up and provide that service and provide those photos that people really want. And, you know, I've had clients who, yeah, they are traditionally very wealthy and they have spent the money. And I have clients who are not wealthy. Like I had this grandma and she booked, I met her at a women's show. I was, I had a booth at a women's show. And this was, gosh, this was, I think, in 2013 or 2014. So I was still pretty, you know, I was newer to the game of of in-person sales and, you know, having my pricing up to what it was. And she was like, she paid for the session fee. They came in and they did the shoot. She brought her daughter and her granddaughter. And she said, you know, we did her their photo viewing and we we're going through the photos and, and she wanted the biggest package. And she said, I want you to know that this is not typically how we would spend our money. Mm. We are not people who buy expensive things. This is not, but this experience was so, I have goosebumps just saying it. This Mm. experience was so important to me and my daughter and my granddaughter. And we just like cherish it. And we will have these photos forever that I have no, like I have no problem spending this money with you. And so it was, it was, I think people think that you have to be in these big cities, like look at Bethany, Bethany Joes, if you don't follow her, I mean, she is in a super tiny town, just outside of Fargo, South Dakota. Mm -hmm. And I mean, 
like I think her average sale is something like $2,400. It might have even be more now. And she is booked through like half of 2021. Like talk about a small town and being able to make it work. Like so it's, you know, and then another example is, is and, and Bethany is actually one of our, our guests on the portrait system. I'll have to look and see what episode she is. And same with Wendy DeCromer. She is in Belgium, tiny town in Belgium. She is so amazing. She is booked out. She's booked solid. I mean, it, when I say tiny town in Belgium, I am not kidding. I've been there. It is like <laughs> there's a church and a grocery store. I mean, there's not a whole lot there. So it's one of those things where you really can't. But but to back up to like, okay, but how? How do I make that transition? I mean, for new clients, it's like just getting them excited about it. Like, oh, and so then when it comes to your photo viewing, we get to go through the photos together. You get to pick out your favorites. I'm going to show you a beautiful slideshow. Oh, I'm so excited about it. As opposed to just like, you know, okay, we're going to do an in-person selling session. You know, like get them excited about it. And, and people are like, oh, I can't wait. It's going to be so fun. And you'll be, I'll be there to help you make your decisions and that sort of thing. And just make it part of your service. And for past clients that are coming back. So let's say you had a client who, you know, in the past, they paid $200 and got everything on a disc. And you're like, well, how am I going to manage this? One thing that Sue talks about, and it, it's called your first package price. It's a video on the website. I really love it. And a lot of us have used this technique when we're transitioning to these prices that we're not super sure about yet is giving mm -hmm. people a gift voucher. So like you could give them a gift voucher for $500, $200, $100, you know, whatever is comfortable enough to you and say, you know, as a returning client, like I'm so excited to roll out my new, you know, luxury services for my client. You know, from now on, it, you might, it comes with, you get hair and makeup styling. We do, we, you know, you get to see a, see a slideshow and we go through your photos together. You can wear multiple outfits, you know, whatever it is, however you want to elevate that service. And because you're a returning client, you know, here's my, my beautiful PDF and my new pricing guide. And it tells you, talks to you about everything. And here's a $300 gift voucher to put towards your experience. Now, half of those clients are going to be like, no, not happening. For I'm sure. just not paying that. And that's fine. And then yep. you let them go with love. And then half those clients, or at least some of those clients are going to be like, oh my gosh, this sounds really cool. Mm -hmm. Like sign me up. And and for all the new clients that you run into, you know, the new people that you potentially could have come on board, it's talking about what you do with enthusiasm and also having a very beautifully designed PDF that shows the experience, show your before and afters, show the behind the scenes, show whatever, you know, your best foot forward and then have the pricing at the end so that as they're scrolling through, they're like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, I need this. Like I need yeah. this service. And yeah, so that's just kind of my advice when it comes to transitioning. Do you want to add anything to that? I mean, you know, you say a uh, beautiful PDF and I think the key there is just to be as enticing as possible. So it's great starting with a beautiful PDF. And then once you've kind of gotten your ball rolling, having a beautiful video is amazing to be able to have that mm -hmm. to show your clients. But anything that you can do to visually entice and then also to just share what their experience is that they're purchasing. You know, I think a lot of times we lose sight of, you know, what is valuable to people. And products themselves, like photos themselves, aren't super high value compared to experiences or, or like personal transformation. So, I mean, if you can talk about things that are higher value, like what the experience is going to be like, what kind of feelings they can expect to have during the process of the photo shoot, you know, speak to that, spend your time really emphasizing those things. You know, this is, this is going to feel this way. And when I say, um, 
emphasizing it's like that could be in visual like in the behind the scenes pictures of what you do and when they see like a woman getting pampered or feeling like glowing you can see the woman like radiating just beauty and happiness with this like pampering experience you know show those behind the scenes images show just how effervescent she is in you know as she's going through this experience rather than focusing on details like i use I used fine art picture, you know, a paper and it's going to last your lifetime. Like people don't really care about the details of the product. And in fact, you know, when I talk about online galleries versus in-person sales and digital products versus physical products, like all of those things, physical products can add value, but the value itself is intrinsically, if you think of it as being in the experience, then it almost doesn't matter how you're delivering the final product. What matters is that you're delivering the service that they, that you've promised and that they're having the experience that, that they're, they're wanting, that they're willing to spend a lot of money on. Oh, yeah, for sure. Something that always gets a lot of sort of attention is when I have photos of like mom getting her hair and makeup done and the daughter watching mm. or vice versa or you know, some sort of moment, like if I am doing a mother daughter photo shoot, or or even back when I used to do a lot of family photos, is like catching those in between moments, you know, of my like my makeup artist would would take a photo of me taking a photo of the kids while mom is watching and mom just like has her hands on her face with this like, just such a proud like, you know, does this look of like, you know, and those are the types of things that you can share as well, just to really get things going. And, you know, as far as having things to put into your PDF to put out on social media. And if if designing, okay, so I should back this up because if someone told me like, you just need to have a really beautiful PDF, I would have been like, uh, but how? Like I suck (laughs) at design. What do you mean? Like, eh, I don't know. There are so many templates out there that you can just purchase. And whether it's through Creative Market or on our The Portrait Master store, there's templates there that you can buy. Like, you don't have to start from scratch. It really can be a matter of just dragging and dropping your photos in and putting your logo in and your text in. So it doesn't need to be, you know, this like crazy, you don't have to be a graphic designer, right. which I was not. I know you were, but right. <laughs> for me, not so much. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely so, true. Yeah, so, you know, it's, um, it, actually, this kind of leads me into another question that I, I, I get asked a lot is at what point do I share my prices? Like if someone just sends me an email says, I want to book a photo shoot, how much do you charge? And, you know, there's nothing better than having someone either in person or on the phone, like for sure. That is how you can really start to form that connection and that bond with people because you really you're pre-selling, you know, before you're you're way before you're doing the photo viewing or the photo oh, reveal definitely. as we often call it. So like Sue has on the website the five um contacts of say five points of contact for selling for sales. So number 1 is during the consultation. Number 2 is networking. Number 3 is during the photo mm-hmm. shoot. Number 4 is during the photo reveal, you know, during the sales session. And number 5 is asking for the referral. So she just kind of goes through all the different ways that we are doing this process. And during this consultation, when someone is first reaching out to you, that's when really the selling starts. When people build a relationship with you, it becomes lifetime. I've had clients who have done annual photo shoots spending anywhere between $1,500 and $3,000 with me four years in a row, five years in a row. So, and and I, I'd like to say that not only is it just because of the photos, but like you said, it's the experience. It is getting to know me and 
you know, our relationship. <laughs> so when you can mm-hmm. get someone on the phone, it's amazing. However, the caveat here, I am the type of consumer I hate being on the phone. When I want to know how much something costs, if you can't email it to me, I'm not even going to do your, I'm not even, I'm done. You know, and, and not every consumer is like me. There are some people who are like, sure, you know, I'll call. Let's chat through it. Blah, blah, blah. Here's my phone number. I'm like, right. dude, I don't have the time. I don't want to. Like, just tell me how much you cost. <laughs> so this is where the beautiful PDF comes in, because if someone emails and says, I want to book a photo shoot, how much? When they ask you how much, you kind of have to tell them. Now, you could do my prices start at, and I know that works very well for some people. Oh, my prices start at. Typical client spends anywhere between, you know, 500 and 5,000. You know, there's so many different ways you can do it. But I personally, I I love email. (laughs) I love email. And so I have developed like a way to build a relationship with clients through email by the way that I respond. And I have email templates that I actually have used. Um, And I, you know, I customize it for each person just to make it personal, of course. But I've got stuff that I can just easily and, and, this also comes back to that beautiful PDF is that it's not just here's an email, here's my prices. It is in order to see the prices, they have to open the PDF and they have to scroll through exactly what I want them to see right. before they get to the prices. Yeah. So to me, that has been, I, I book a lot of people. I would say like 90% of, of the clients that I book it, it is through email. Mm, um, so, and that has worked. Yeah. And that has worked for me. So I don't know. How do you do it? You know, I've, I've done it through phone calls has been my main thing. So, but, but just like you, I'm kind of, I tend to be that kind of consumer too, where it's like, let me get my head around what to expect before I have a conversation with somebody. Um, so I, I do have my starting prices as part of the inquiry process. So when they, they send in an inquiry, they, I have a session design form on my website that they fill in. And it's, it's questions that are designed to get them kind of excited and to also show like how I do my, my photo shoots. So questions like, who do you want to be photographed with? And then it's a drop down menu giving options. So it's like, this is how I, if I, if it's a family photo shoot, the, the answer that they select actually says like my whole family, the women will show up first and the men will come at the end, <laughs> you yeah. know? And, yeah. And so they get, it's a, it's an education resource too, explaining how I do stuff. They fill that in and then they. Uh, get an automatic email back that gives the starting like that gives them access to my basically what we're we've been calling the PDF on my site is actually a slideshow gallery that looks like a magazine and that uh, has all of those enticing images and then my starting prices and then there's an a link for them to schedule a consultation call now when I first got started in my business I would be the one taking those consultation calls. And just having it be scheduled took a lot of resistance from, you know, from my end away because I was always so nervous mm-hmm. about like cold calling somebody and being like, oh, this is Emily from the photography website. You yeah. submitted, yeah. is this a good time? You know, like I, there was just something about the awkwardness of that a moment of not being sure if it was going to line up that I, I was so totally. nervous about phone calls. So I, the online scheduling thing, like took a little bit of that fear away from me. It, it gave me a couple of things, like I had a little information about them before we got started so I could jump into a conversation and say oh my gosh it looks like you want to do a photo shoot with your mom that's so freaking exciting like tell me about your mom yes and so that that shifted like my energy could be excited and you know and instead of kind of nervous so but honestly at this point now I've trained a studio manager to take those phone calls for me 
I did it a few times in front of her. I have kind of a script all worked out for how I, you know, how I deal with certain objections and things like that, how I really emphasize the beautiful experience they're going to have and how I give really detailed information about the pricing so that there aren't any surprises down the road so that this conversation on the phone is when they book in and make the decision like, okay, yes, I do want to book a photo shoot and they pay the session fee right then and there. Yeah, I love that. And and something key that you said is there shouldn't be any surprises. So, so someone whoever is going to book with you, they need to see your full pricing, not just the session fee, not just the starting at prices. They need to see your full pricing prior to you taking any money from them or booking them in for the actual shoot. Like, yes, you can book them in for the consultation and that sort of thing, of course, but you can't, you know, hide your prices. You've got to be like fully transparent. And, you know, there's, there's obvious obviously just even hearing from the two of us we do it different ways and that's totally fine like and that's not to say i never have anyone on the phone but email templates have worked you know well enough for me that it's just you know i that's just how i've done it but i will say though at the beginning i did a lot more on the phone because i didn't have as strong enough of a referral system coming in it's like when you when you can have most of your clients are coming from referrals it's a lot easier to book you know, through with yeah. with emails and using a template. And like, I have the templates on my, you know, on my own website, on my store for photographers, because it has worked so well for me. Right. But then there, I should say that there is that caveat of like, it needs. There's a little I, more I hesitate in the beginning, right? Like you kind of are yes, hustling. Ex- <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. It wasn't just like super easy for me at the beginning. Like I spent the time building up you know, a strong client base that had a lot to do with, you know, why now it is, it is a lot more simple, I guess, to book. Because when you have referrals coming in and their friends already trusted you and that sort of thing, that's why asking for referrals is so, so, so important. When you have one happy client and you ask them to refer you to three people or five people or, you know, it, it oh, wow, it just goes so far. Referrals are definitely my favorite type of clients to get in because they already have been pre-educated. They've been pre-educated about mm-hmm. the pricing. They've been pre-educated about how much service is going into this experience. And so they they kind of show up already kind of relaxed. Their guard is down and they're open. So they're they're kind of in this mode of receiving, like just give me all of this yummy energy that I'm that I'm here for right from the beginning, which is a really fun interaction for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Okay, I want to shift gears a little bit because a lot of people do ask, how do I find a studio? Like, what if I don't have a, a lot of money to put towards a studio? And I and I do want to preface this again by saying you don't have to have a studio in order to make this business model work. A lot of people still shoot outside. Actually, for my seniors, I do some of the photos are in studio. Some photos are on location. Like, you know, lots of people do only on location. It, it, you don't have to have a studio. But if you're someone out there who really wants to have a studio and you're like, oh, my gosh, how? I found studios a couple ways on Craigslist with a realtor through word of mouth. Um, You know, I started out in the corner of my family room and that's where I built my business. Mm -hmm. I know you have a studio at home, correct? Yeah. And I always have. My studio started out just a spare bedroom as well uh, in my basement and then evolved into my like my full basement. (laughs) And now that's how I operate. You know, I got a (laughs) bigger house, better basement, but it's still the studio is in my basement. Yeah, yeah. So that's a way if you have anywhere in your house, and it's, you know, you're not like governed by an HOA who tells you you absolutely can't just be careful of that. 
And I've always shared my studio and that has cut the, well, no, I shouldn't say always. The first studio that I had, I was paying, I want to say it was like 11, it was 1100 a month and I was not sharing. And that's like, that's a big chunk of change. Like I was a social worker and mm. then quit that. And then, you know, all of a sudden I have this $1,100 extra a month bill coming in. So definitely put a fire under me for sure. Right. But as I got smarter, I started sharing because I wasn't always using that space all the time. I was only doing, you know, the average of shoots that I typically do is between eight and 10 a month. So clearly that studio is sitting empty for a lot of week. So I started sharing with makeup artists. And to me, that worked out so well. And I just absolutely loved it because I, I shared with makeup artists who I wanted to hire for my shoots anyway. And once I was able to get to the point where I didn't need to shoot on weekends anymore, I was only shooting during the week. It was perfect for them because they were often doing their trials for weddings for, you know, the bridal trials or whatever at the studio, but they were doing it evenings and weekends. So it just worked out really, really well to have a share partner. And then now in Michigan, I actually share my studio with another photographer. She was a client who is also a photographer and we hit it off. She was looking for a space and I was like, Hey, you know what? I wouldn't mind sharing with you. Like, do you, hmm. do you want? And so it, it worked out really well and it, and it caught the cost in half. So there's, there are always ways to, to make it work. You could share with a couple different people and we just use a Google calendar and I've never had any problems. I've been doing this for sharing a studio since, oh my gosh, I guess it's been six years now, something like that. And I've never had any issues. Never. Well, okay, maybe once or twice, I like scheduled in something wrong and like put it on my personal calendar instead of on the shoot, like on the studio calendar and was like, oh shit, like <laughs> uh, Kendra, I totally messed up. Like, is there any way you could help me out? And she's like, oh yeah, sure. I'll move my trial an hour earlier. No problem. Like there was once or twice when I it was totally my fault that I messed up and whatever, but that's just, it's just worked really well and it's, it's kept the cost low. So yeah. And then people have, you know, found some really, really creative ways to find a studio space. I mean, you could look at any sort of, you know, compatible business. I mean, you could look at hair salons. Do they have a back room? You know, you could look at a real estate office. Do they have an area that might have good light where you could focus on doing real estate headshots? I mean, there's just, there's always a way. It's like always finding a way. Sue converted her garage when she was in New Zealand. Um, you know, so I think anyway, a lot of so that's just about my studio. fear about doing my having my studio be in my basement was around like, oh, are people going to judge? You know, I I, mm, I kind of mm -hmm. lived like in a little bit of a sketchy area back when I first started, and and I remember certain clients, like high end clients, coming in and saying like, I, I was a little nervous driving here, <laughs> um, yeah. and and so I would say too like. Uh, what eventually got me around that fear of like, is this studio space good enough for the clients was a just pouring a lot of love and intention into the space itself, making the space mm -hmm. beautiful and safe and homey and lovely. Um, just in, and not like in an extravagant, expensive way, just as you know, but with with intention with love. And then also mm -hmm. just recognizing that people aren't aren't coming to your studio because they care about what it looks like in the studio. They care they care about how you make them feel. So if as long as you kind of just can let go of this idea that you have to have the perfect environment, you know, and that you can make a lot of things work based on just yep. putting love into the space. That's exactly right. People, you you just said it perfectly. People remember how you. 
made them feel. Mm -hmm. It's not about the space. Yeah, that's awesome. All right. So let's move on to, let's see, let's talk a little bit about someone want, a lot of people ask this is how to find hair and makeup artists. And we cover this actually in depth during the 12 week startup during the hair and makeup week. And I have a hairstylist Brie Oro and Kendra Springer makeup artist on with me and we just get like into all of the details about all of this so if you are listening and you haven't heard the 12 week startup week for hair and makeup the coaching part of it and Sue also talks about during during the videos it, it's one of those things where they become an extension of your brand and an extension of your team and like I found Kendra at a wedding I found Katie because she was Sue's old assistant I found Michelle through word of mouth. I found Megan because she was my mother-in-law's hairdresser. Like, there's just so many different avenues that you can find a hair and makeup artist, for sure. Yeah, I found mine, like, on freaking Google searches. And it's a little hit or miss nice. that way. And you connect and, you know, have a trial appointment before you work on a client. But, um, yeah, I've trialed a bunch of different hair and makeup artists and uh, eventually found my A team that I ended up working with pretty much every photo shoot whenever I could help it. Or, you know, there's kind of a pool of maybe five artists that I can pull from depending on availability and things like that. So, you know, getting yourself up to that stage where you have a network, it just, it just takes a little bit of trial and error and, um, being creative with it. You know, you can offer, uh, you know, ask them, would you be willing to do a free trial? Sometimes that's a really common thing where people are willing to do it for free. Sometimes they do charge for it. If they're willing to do a free trial, I, I will, you know, ask them to bring their own model. And I usually say, can you bring somebody over the age of 45 or over the age of 40? I want to make sure that you can apply makeup on skin that's more mature. And so they'll yeah, usually bring yeah. in their mom or somebody. And now I've got a free model as well as a free, yeah. you know, you know, and that, that was a way that I could, you know, that I added to my portfolio at the beginning for sure. Okay. So actually let's talk about that. Cause some people want to know, like, how do I build a portfolio? And cause we always say what you want to book, you need to show what you want to book. And if you don't have any photos for, to show of what you want to book, it is Step one, get people in that you can photograph so you can do that. Yeah. So I know that you had said that you kind of just shouldered the cost of building your portfolio. Is that right? Yeah. I kind of considered my portfolio building time was when I was learning photography. I was learning posing and lighting and all of the everything. And so, you know, if you think of college, you know, nobody's paying you to go to college. You pay to go to college. So that was kind mm -hmm. of the dues that, you know, that I, I was kind of considering this. My version of going to college in photography was this uh, time that I spent building my portfolio. Yeah, that, yeah, that's cool. I actually didn't spend really much of my money at all. I spent a lot of my time, mm -hmm. but I had people who came in pay for their own hair and makeup. So that was the understanding. You pay for your hair and makeup. And I will give you my favorite digitals. And the first couple people that I did photograph, they did their own makeup and they were friends. So I knew actually and a neighbor and then her friend. Yeah. <laughs> so they were doing their own makeup. So none of us were spending any money. And then I was just giving them the photo. So that's how I did it initially. And then once I had a few a few different shoots that I could show people and say, hey, this is what I'm doing. And they felt like, OK, you know, let's I could do this. And then they would pay for their hair and makeup. And then I slowly started charging. But if we've also had people say, like, I can't get anyone to come do a free shoot with me. If that's the case, it's really, really important to look at the energy in which you are talking about what you do and how you're talking with people, what you're saying, how you're acting when you're talking about it. Um, Sue talks about this quite a bit. Like, 
it's it's going to be really hard to um, get paying clients if you can't even get anyone to do do it for free. So to, if you can nail down your 30 second, 60 second kind of elevator pitch about what you do, and it's not about you, it's about them. Like you come in, you get your hair and makeup done. I'm going to pose you and direct you through the whole thing. I'm building my portfolio. I can't wait for you to be a part of it. I just think you're really beautiful and I'd love to have you in my portfolio. What do you think? You know, it's just making it exciting or like, oh my gosh, you're starting that, you know, you're becoming a realtor. Do you need headshots for that? Because I kind of need to build my portfolio with some headshots. And I'm wondering if you would mind doing this with me. Like we'll do your hair and makeup first and, you know, it'll be really fun. What do you think? You know, it's it's just a matter of getting people excited. And if you're having a hard time with that, it's 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 really going to be taking a look at where you are going wrong because something is amiss. Yeah. You know, one thing I think that we have to recognize when we're approaching somebody and offering or, or doing something is we, we've kind of become this culture of on social media, somebody reaches out and wants to invite you to their hair and makeup party, or, you know, it's like, there's this kind of culture, essential oils of like reaching out to strangers and offering something that mm-hmm. ends up being something else. And so people kind of have their guard up. And so that's a lot very of true. What you are doing is kind of just putting them at ease and just uh, yes. clearly communicating that you are offering, you know, what it is that you're offering and that it's, um, and, and in a way where you're actually enthusiastic enough that, that it doesn't sound like there's a trick like coming for them that they're about to find later, like, oh, I'm offering you a free shoot, but really what I'm doing is it's a sale or I, I don't know. It, it's one of those things. You just have to be clear. This is what's happening. Yes. And, and it put, and be aware that that's what you're doing is you're putting people at ease. And you're also, you want to make sure you get yourself into that energetic space where you don't like, sometimes I see photographers reaching out to potential models and they're doing it in a way that's, that's afraid. They're afraid that they're putting the person out. They're afraid that the person's going to say no. They're afraid that the person is, um, going to find it a nuisance. And when they approach it that way, that's how the person feels. They feel like, well, I don't want to do you this favor. I don't have time right now. And so you kind of have to shift your paradigm of what, what is your offering. It's not, you're not bothering somebody by giving them a beautiful free photo shoot. <laughs> you know, you're giving them a gift. Right. right. So, so talk to them like <laughs> if this is a gift that you're giving them. And then just be okay with the fact that some people don't have the time right now. Some people don't want to take the risk of working with a photographer who's brand new. And some people are just not going to be comfortable. And there are just going to be some no's. And it's totally okay. Like when I first was building my portfolio, I sent, um, I did it via like model mayhem or something. I I was reaching out to all of these models and I offered to so many people and I only got a handful of yeses in the end. So it's not something you should expect that every single person that you offer a shoot to is going to be a yes. Right, right. And it's okay if they say no. Absolutely. Oh, well, you know, move on to the next person. Exactly. Don't take it personally. Just move on. Now, if you're getting all no's, then you're going like, to kind of have to look at like, okay, I need to change something up here. For sure. But if, you know, sometimes people are going to say no. And, and that's totally fine. It's totally fine. But yeah, yeah, good points there. Okay, let's move on. So a lot of people want to know about posing and just, you know, posing women with curves, for example, like, how do I make sure that I am posing people in the most flattering way? And the way I look at it is once you can 
nail down the poses that work for every body type that, you know, when it doesn't matter who walks into your studio, you're like, I got this. I know how to just pose her and or him in such a flattering, beautiful, powerful way for men or whatever. Mm-hmm. It is like the best bag of tricks you could ever have, truly. And we have so many videos for posing like everyone, all different body types, you know, couples, for headshots, for, you know, for tweens, like everything is on the Sue Bryce Education website. But if you can just really understand some of those key posing elements like chin forward and down, asymmetry, put an hourglass shape in the body, drop the front shoulder if you're trying to slim a little bit, you know, there's just those, those really key things. If you can just follow those in any situation, you're going to know exactly what to do. And it's the best feeling. It just makes you feel so confident. Yeah. So, I mean, it's kind of a matter of building up your posing repertoire, you know, what you can ask mm-hmm. for, what you can coach people into. A huge part of how I developed that for myself, for sure, is watching the videos. And in fact, I still, to this day, if I have a new type of shoot that I'm not as practiced in, will watch a video on the Super Ice Education site the night before a shoot Same. to get myself, Same. you know, like in that groove, in that mindset of like, ah, oh, okay, these are things I'm going to be paying attention to. But also, I would say when I first got started out, I I had um, some posing cards from Sue, and you know, of course, any video that you watch on the on the Sue Bryce Education site will have a range of poses in the video itself. And I started going like through each of these poses in front of a mirror, and I would practice verbalizing out loud to myself the instructions for how to get into pose. Yep. And, and I just started doing that to kind of get my mouth around some of the phrasings that I wanted to use and to kind of relax into how to direct things. And I wouldn't let myself move my body without my mouth telling my body what to do. And so like that was a big part of how I started learning to fine tune and direct people into poses is was by practicing on myself first and then a friend. And then, you know, practice with models. And then once you're comfortable enough that you've got maybe a, uh, you know, a set of 10 to 20, you know, you can start with five and then it can become 10. And then it's like when you think about just changing the arms a little, changing the hands a little, changing the expression a little bit, those 10 all of a sudden become 30, you know? And so oh, yeah, you, for sure. you can build on it for sure. But you just want to start getting some core poses, universally flattering that you direct yourself into and then, you know, work on your confidence in directing. Yeah, totally. And and there are like what really, truly helped me was the PDF downloads of the different poses that that Sue has for all the different genres and body types and everything. So like if I would freeze up, I would have my client just take a water break and I would just pop on my phone because I would have it downloaded to my phone and I would just scroll through the poses and be like, OK, that one's next. All right. OK, I'm back. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like there was just so helpful to have those. And some people have those printed out and like in a little booklet or on an iPad or whatever. And it's just so nice to have poses at your fingertips. But again, like you said, once you start to really memorize them and build your whole like posing repertoire, it just it's life changing. It, it builds your confidence so much. And you know, sometimes the poses feel awkward to the client. I'm like, don't worry. I know it feels awkward, but it's going to look amazing. Trust me. And then right. they laugh and then they're comfortable, you know, yeah. so, yeah. Well, and one thing that I, I definitely want to encourage new photographers to realize this is a big practice thing. It's not like something that you can watch videos and then be good at. <laughs> like this is 
this is a hands-on getting getting into a groove practice 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 with different body types there are people who are tall and people who are short and people who are fuller figured and people who are very lean and you have all range of sizes and types of bodies and ways that they can move and how flexible they are and so really in order for you to be able to handle whatever is thrown at you you need to dive in <laughs> to the experience and throw yourself at every possibility you know that you could run into and lean into this is practice and it's okay for me to not be perfect at this but this is how i get good at this mhm for sure all right so someone well lots of people ask how do i get my clients to prepare for their photo shoot and to take the wardrobe seriously. And you know, some of your clients are gonna, they're gonna know right away. Like, this is what I wanna wear. This is how I wanna look. And, and, and you know, and a lot of photographers will say like, what if I, you know, have clients and it's not my style? It's like, well, if they're paying you, it doesn't matter if it's not your style. They need to wear what they wanna wear. But a lot, I would say most of my clients, they want some help. Like, can mm -hmm. you help me decide what to wear? Yeah. And, and helping them prepare for their shoot, it's just, it's, it can help you so much. Like if you let them know spray tans are not necessarily good the day before a photo shoot because <laughs> you might have orange all over your hands and I'm going to spend hours retouching that out or make sure your nail polish is a color that you can live with for the rest of your life or not the rest of your life, but for as long as these photos live, basically. Yep. Um, if you can prepare them ahead of time, like come to the studio with clean and dry hair and a freshly moisturized, clean face, you know, all of that is it just it helps them so much. And I know you have something that helps people prepare for their shoot with wardrobe, right? Don't you offer something like that? Yeah. So I give my clients a welcome packet at their face-to-face -face consultation. And the welcome packet for me, which is something that I do sell as a template on my website for other photographers to be able to print their own welcome packets, but it's really a conversation tool for me. So it's something that I use, you know, it's like I basically hand it to the client and say, this is yours to take home. It's this beautiful tactile, right. you know, thing that they can interact with. But at the end of the day, what's most important is the conversation. So educating your client on all the things you just said to prepare for the photo shoot. And then in my case, you know, I'm also really emphasizing to my particular clients that what I'm doing is connecting them with different aspects of themselves. And so... I can capture five different aspects of you. Do you want to see like your sensual side? You know, is she light or is she dark? Is she structured or is she flowing or is she soft and gentle and shy or, you know, like what, what does she look like? And I have that conversation. And then based on that conversation, we come up with an idea for what kind of wardrobe that version of herself wants to be wearing. And the wardrobe is going to inform then how I'm going to photograph her. So if she brings me something light and ethereal, Maybe I'll do a backlit shot where she's all angelic and has this kind of very soft sensuality that she that we're capturing for her, right? And so a lot of that conversation and a lot of what the welcome packet is designed to do is to get all the little details out of the way so that she and I can focus on the heart of the conversation, which is who do you want to meet when you are looking at your portraits when all of this is said and done? So for me, having the welcome packet is like, Here's all of these little, you know, little minutia that's important, but let's not focus on that right now. Let's talk about this, you know, and so I can give her the quick bullet list and I just say like all of this stuff in this beautiful guide that's like a timeline of almost like if you imagine a bridal preparation timeline pre-wedding, <laughs> but I basically tell them, you know, at the end of the day, there are only five things in this checklist that are must do's and those are 
get their hair color refreshed if they color their hair, do their nails, get enough sleep the night before the shoot, have a good breakfast, you know, and get their blow dry their hair before they come in. It's like a, a pretty basic list, right? Yeah, that, that was just a, a really, you know, a great way to kind of explain the whole, you know, preparedness, I guess, for a photo shoot. So, yeah, that's awesome. Very cool. Okay, so I do have one last question about, actually, I have two more questions. One is, what do I need to do to make my business legal? And this is always kind of a tricky question because it's so different from state to state, country to country. Like, I know that I had to have a license in my city as well as my LLC for my state and then EIN number federally. But I, I really I really hesitate you know, obviously, we're not giving any legal advice here whatsoever. And what we really recommend everyone doing is ch- checking with their state, city, you know, federal, talk to your CPA. And also, like, there are some cities offer a service to help small businesses get started. Mm-hmm. So if you call, like, your chamber of commerce or call the township and ask if they know of anyone. I know Sarai, she's uh, episode number one. She talks a little a little bit about that. And that's how she got all of her legal ducks in a row was she had a business mentor through her city. Mm-hmm. So I just recommend people definitely making sure that you are doing things correctly based on where you live. Perfect. And the only thing I would add to that is um, – just knowing when I have to take care of certain things, like as a sales tax, I have to make sure I pay quarterly. So I put an appointment with myself in my mm-hmm. Google calendar every quarter. It shows up and I and I have it, you know, some time blocked for myself to take care of things like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. I I pay a bookkeeper and it, she's the best money I spend every month. Um, she takes care of all that for me. And she just sends me a notice that says, oh, quarterly is coming up. This is what's coming out of your account on this day. Let me know if you have any questions. I'm like, sweet, thank you. I would die without you sort of thing. So, you know, if if you are someone where your brain works like that and you have no problem staying organized and staying on top of things, then sure, do it yourself. But I'll tell you what, I am not someone that is <laughs> cut out for it. So so I hired it out. So just depends. Everyone does it differently. But it sounds kind of like a Christmas cool. miracle to get a bookkeeper. I think that might be what I make happen for myself next. Oh, it's the best thing ever. It's one of the <laughs> first things I ever outsourced because, yeah, I never wanted to be in trouble with ta- not paying taxes or doing something wrong. And another thing, too, I like having about a, a bookkeeper is the IRS is not always accurate. Mm-hmm. Um, surprise, surprise. And I have gotten letters before saying I owed X amount for whatever. And I just send it over to, to my bookkeeper. And she's like, nope, you already paid that. Just fill out this form. And send it to this address and you're good to go. Cool. So I would have just paid it. I wouldn't have known any better. Yeah. So yeah, definitely priceless. Very cool. Okay, so I get this question all the time. And I'm wondering if you also get it too. It's how do I manage all of this with two little kids and two studios? Because I've got a studio in Seattle and studio in Michigan. And, you know, I, I kind of really like built a lot of this with with two little kids. And so, um, well, you know, I had the basis of my business built, but I really grew exponentially when I had two babies, two little, they're only 21 and a half months apart. And people ask me that a lot. Like, how do you manage it all? And, you know, of course I have my days. Like I have my days that are really, really hard as a parent. And I have my days that are really, really hard as a business owner. Mm. But in the end, for me, it came down to creating boundaries. It came down to taking care of myself Um, you know, there's just certain things that I have to do 
in order to stay organized, in order to manage my time properly. Otherwise, I think I would fall apart. Right. <laughs> do, you, do you ever get asked this question? Yeah, totally. And honestly, I, something that was a big comfort to me that I've heard once before was, you know, when you're a business person and a mother, you know, you're juggling. Well, and this would apply for fathers, too. You're juggling all of these balls and some of the balls that you're juggling are plastic and if they dropped, they would bounce and no harm done. <laughs> They're not a big mm -hmm. deal. And some of these balls are glass. They're critical things and you can't let those balls drop. And some of the plastic balls are in your business and some of them are in your household or family life, you know, and some of the glass ones, same thing. Some are in the business and some are in the family life. And the trick is just to prioritize the glass balls and to realize that you're going to drop some balls. And if you're going to have to, let them be the plastic balls. <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're going to have to let go of analogy. some things in your business and some mm -hmm. things in your household can kind of fall apart for a little while. But you just have to know, like, pay attention. What are the things that are important? really, truly important for either one of those things. And give yourself a permission, be grace and forgiveness, and just a little bit of like leeway to allow some of these other things that are just not that important to drop if they need to. Yeah, that's such a great analogy for sure, for sure. You know, and this can kind of pertain to people, maybe if you don't have like, you know, kids, but a lot of people take care of a family member or, you know, they're the sole provider and they're also going to school and working. Yeah. Like I know it's, it's not even just with kids, you know? Um, so I know that oftentimes we, ha we do, we have so much to juggle. And it's funny because the more I started getting this question, I thought, how do I do this all? Because I am typically like, I would not be what you would <laughs> describe as a traditionally organized person. And sometimes I wonder how the hell I can actually run a business and keep my children alive. I'm not even kidding. Like my brain is just all over the place all the time. And so I thought, <laughs> how do I do this? And I always joke that on Sue Bright's Education, there's a video for that always for everything, literally. Except the only thing is Sue doesn't have kids. And so I right. thought, oh, maybe I could put something together for people to try and help people. And so I ended up creating a course called Busy as a Mother because and, and then I just I literally just go through and explain how I, you know, the things that are really, really important that I need to do in order to survive. And that's kind of how Busy as a Mother was born. And, you know, Sue, Sue always jokes with me anytime I have like a parenting moment or she's like, you have to you have to add that to Busy as a Mother. Like you have to tell your Busy as a Mother moms about all that, you know, because it's like. You know, we all, even though right. sometimes everyone, you know, people can always on social media make things appear one way or whatever. We all have our days. We all have our amazing days and we all have our really hard days. And it is, it's a juggling act in that analogy of the glass balls and the plastic balls. I'm, I'm digging it. It's, yeah. Yeah. Very, very good. One thing I definitely did was got a lot of support in any arena that I can, like even just how you talked about the bookkeeping person that supports you there, you know, mm -hmm. anywhere you can find support to either support you in your home life or in your business life, like get that <laughs> in whatever way yeah. you can creatively, like maybe you exchange a photo shoot for somebody to take care of your laundry. Um, yes, on a, some, trading. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. So I mean, mm -hmm. it, it's the kind of thing where the more support you can get and just you just have to realize that, you know, culturally, we've kind of been shown this model of like the working mom who has it all and who has this perfectly clean children and everyone's well fed from these gourmet <laughs> meals. But the fact is, some of this stuff is going to have to slide a little and you can like, don't have such high expectations that show up from Pinterest. That's just not reality. Right. You're mm -hmm. Like you're not going to have a perfectly clean house all of the time. You're not going to have gourmet meals. Like I can't tell you, like my business was built off of frozen food from Costco 
for my family, you know, so my husband could do all of the cooking while I yeah. was building my business. So just where, wherever you can get support, do that and just forgive. You don't hold yourself to such a, an intensely strong standard that is impossible to live up to. Yep. Yep. Giving yourself grace is so important and, and not even, you know, in building your business in general, I think it's important to give yourself grace. This is not, I say this all the time. This is what Sue always says is that it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. And if you can take one step forward every day, just do something to to propel yourself forward. It can be something small, it can be something large. Like all of the stuff that we've talked about today, these are all things that that you just have to move towards and just take one step forward. Like we were at, you know, at a very beginning stage with no business not that long ago but but the the difference between you know us actually having you know having successful businesses is that all we did is started doing it we just started doing it mm-hmm. and and so many people in our community you know in our SBE community come from different backgrounds some people are single parents some people you know, have supportive partners. Some people don't. Some people are from Europe. Some people are from Australia. Some people are from small towns in the States. Some people are from big cities. Like, you know, everyone has a different story, but the success stories is always because they were doing it. They were doing the work. And truly, that's what it comes down to is doing the work. It really, it really does. Well, I, you know, one thing that I've said a lot about uh, successful business is, I would say, I don't know, 90% your problem solving skills, <laughs> just recognizing mm-hmm. that new challenges are going to come in front of you every day, whether that's learning how to build your portfolio, learning lighting, you know, figuring out your bookkeeping, all of these things, these new challenges that come towards you, you just, you just have to recognize like the problem solving into all of these obstacles is the creation of the business. It's, it was not easy for anybody, <laughs> you know, and if yeah, you can just yeah. recognize like one step at a time, all that you can do is all that you can do. And problem solving is kind of your job. Yeah, that's such a great way to look at it. And and I think back about too about Sue, I was actually talking with my mom this morning about Sue. And she was asking, she asked me a question about Sue and something. And, and I had said, you know, Sue didn't graduate from high school. And she always felt extremely, you know, kind of almost embarrassed about not having this like proper formal education with not having graduated from high school and not having a college degree or whatever. And man, it doesn't, it just is one of those things that, no, it wasn't always easy. You know, it wasn't, it's not like Sue Bryce always has been Sue Bryce and this amazing educator or whatever. She started at the bottom and worked her way up step by step problem solving, like, okay, I don't have a studio. She, you know, she left the studio that she was working for and wanted to start her own. She didn't have a studio. So she just did it in her garage. You know, it's like, and then 25, 30 years later, here she is, but there's all those pieces in between that she worked and she did the work and she struggled through it and she had her successes and, and now she's just teaching us all of her failures so that we don't have to make the same mistakes, which is amazing. But you know, there is a lot of value in in making mistakes as well. You know, we all, and that's where the give yourself grace comes in, is we all are going to fall on our face sometimes. And we're all going to get right back up and look at where, what did we learn? And if, if you can't have the self-reflection to look at, okay, I fell on my face. What did I do wrong? Where can I do better next time? You've got to be able to do that and not blame other people and blame the economy and blame, 
you know, my family or my partner or whatever, you know, it's all about having that self-reflection. And if I fail at whatever step that I took, what can I do better next time? And to me, that has been like the reason that I have a successful business, truly. Totally. And it's empowering when you stop putting all of the struggles that you're going through in, you know, as external things that are happening to you and start saying like, okay, how did I contribute to this situation and how can I change Mm -hmm. it? You know, it's like as soon as you take that power back and say, I have power to change something about this interaction, what can I do? You know, that's, that's really where, um, you know, you're shifting out of problem focus and into solution focus. Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you, Emily. Gosh, I love talking with you. I could seriously like hang out with you and just like, I don't know, go on vacation or something. I'm going to do a girl's trip. Yeah, let's go to Costa Rica. (laughs) You could give me a tour, right? You've been there already. This will be my first time. See? Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's been so long since I've been there, though, since 2005, I think. Ooh. So yeah, it's been 15 years. So you're years. due for a trip is what you're saying. <laughs> I am due. This, I'm like, mm, get my brain thinking. <laughs> I love oh, you, Nikki. Man. Thank you so much for having me. This has been lovely. I love you too. And thanks for all the just beautiful advice you give to people. I know there's going to be people out there who are very, very grateful for what you teach and what you have to say. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for listening today to the Portrait System Podcast. If you like what you heard, we would really love for you to leave us a five-star review either on iTunes or wherever you're listening. And I really, really want to encourage you to head over to SueBriceEducation.com. Over there, you can find all of the education you need to become a successful photographer. And there are over 1,000 on-demand educational videos on things like posing, lighting, styling, retouching, shooting, marketing, sales, business, and self-value. There's also the 12-week startup program that I love, and there are posing downloads, lighting downloads, I mean, truly everything to help make you not only a better photographer, but to make you more money. Once again, that's SueBriceEducation.com. It's time for me to tell you about this episode's sponsor, Fujifilm North America. If you haven't experienced portraits and wedding scenes created on the large format GFX system digital camera sensor, you are missing out. Along with up to 102 megapixel resolution, you'll find rich colors and gorgeous in-camera looks. There's also AI-driven subject detection and eight frames per second bursts inside the compact GFX 100 digital camera. Hit the link in this episode's description to view the products. It's time to dream big in your creative process.